Shabbos, Perak Yud Aleph, Mishnah Base, 11.2. The first word in the Mishnah is Ketzad, which would mean how do we illustrate or explain or under what circumstances does the previous halacha apply. Um, so if we leave that Ketzad in, we're coming to explain how in the previous Mishnah we said the Chachamim exempted one from throwing through the Shusharam, and now we're going to explain that a little more. Many don't have the word Ketzad in at all. And it was the, the the proper gear studs leave the word Ketzad out, and this Mishnah stands on its own, not elaborating on the previous Mishnah, which is really the straightforward reading of the Mishnah. And in this Mishnah, we're focused primarily on a new thing called Moshit, um, and not really on Zerika, on throwing like the previous Mishnah. So Moshit is handing over, and if you recall, the base of all the Malachas is what went on in the, Mish- in the Midbar, in the desert, is part of the construction and assembly and maybe even the functioning of the Mishkan. Now, you'll also recall that I said back in the very beginning um, of the first Mishnah that Hotzah transferring is considered by Tosos as a Malacha Gerua, almost like a second-class citizen Malacha. Um, and part of the reason is because, unlike the other Malachas, where one is clearly investing his creative capacity to transform the world by cooking or t- tearing or weaving, whatever the story is. When it comes to Hotzah, transferring, the world isn't really being transformed in the same way. There's just sort of a relocation of some object. Um, but part of it being a malacha grua, a secondary, like a, a lower, inferior malacha, um, is that inferior, good translation, inferior malacha, is that um, we can't extrapolate so far and wide and extensively in the realm of Hotzah as one can with other malachas. So in other malachas, if there's a malacha, let's say the malacha of Zorea, which is to plant a seed, literally, and that was part of the malacha done for the Mishkan, but the concept of Zorea is facilitating plant growth, and therefore anything that facilitates plant growth is at least a tolda of Zorea. So watering a plant or arranging for more light to go on a plant or fertilizing a plant, all could be zria. Nothing to do with actually putting the seed in the ground. You can extrapolate based on the principle. Not quite the case when it comes to hotzah, transferring. If something occurred, um, something which is like transferring but not exactly like how it was done in the context of the mishkan, so it won't be the malacha rice at all. Now, this is where moshet comes in. So moshet handing over um, was done in the Mishkan. What happened was they had these agalot, these wagons, which were used to trans- for transferring the krushim, these heavy um, boards that were used, and also the yeah in the, in the in the Mishkan. So what they would do is they would take these two different agalot. Um, each agala, each wagon was ten tefachim off the ground. So the top of the agala is rishus hayachid all to itself. Okay. And they would line two, one in front of the other, and they would then load up this heavy keresh, the board, onto, let's say, the front wagon. And then from atop the wagon, they would hand it over to the second wagon behind it. Some were shown to learn that the keresh would, would span the two wagons, and some just understood it would go from the first and then onto the second. Either way, the point is that they went kind of, they were lined up front and back, and then the keresh, the board, would go um, from the front to the back. In contrast, what was not happening, this is sort of the essential nub of the Mishnah, is that they were never passing Krashim from Rishusayachad to Rishusayachad across the Rishusayachad. Not transverse the Rishusayachad. It was always 
in the same direction as the Rishas Rabbim, just, you know, from one Yachid to the next, but on the same side of the Rishas Rabbim, so to speak. And that being the case, the Mishnah is going to say that if you're doing Hoshata, you're doing Moshit, on the same side of the Rishas Rabbim, from one Rishas Yachid to the next, over the Rishas Rabbim, even above Tent Fachim, above the Rishas Rabbim, even though we said in the previous Mishnah that above Rishas Rabbim, above Tent Fachim, is no longer the Rishas Rabbim, it's Makom Patur, since in the context of the Mishkan, they did pass over these boards from one the top of one agala, meaning above ten tefachim off the ground, to the top of another agala, and again above ten tefachim off the ground, and they were passing over the rishasaram between the two agalot, but at a, at a height of above ten tefachim, since that was part of the assembly and reassembly of the mishkan, one would be liable for that. So the mishnah says. Ketzad, again, either Ketzad to reflect back on when Zerika one would be Chayev or not Chayev, the previous Mishnah, or um, we can leave that word out, Ketzad, according to some of yourselves, and just now we're talking about a new thing called Moshet, handing over. If you had Shtei Gezustros, you have two balconies, Zu Kenegad Zu, one on either side opposite the other of Arishas Aram. So just think, you have Fifth Avenue in the middle of New York City, and you have two apartment buildings, and you have one on this side of Fifth Avenue, one on that side of Fifth Avenue. If there aren't, yeah. And um, you have Umoshit, and then one hands over, or Vizorek, one throws across over Fifth Avenue, Mizulazu, across the, over the street. So then Pater. Then the transference over the Shisram will be Pater. And the reason why is because um, if you're doing Zrika, you're doing throwing it. So again, you're, you're, too high, and if you're talking about Moshit, so that is not the way it was done in the context of the of the Mishkan. They didn't they didn't transfer by handing over by traversing the the Rishos just going front and back. So in both the cases, you'd be putter. And certainly, there was no no throwing anyways. No one did, no one threw Krushim. So above ten tefachim for throwing is always going to be exempt because there's no there's no such thing as even Moshit of, of Zorik ever. Even of the krushim, even throwing, even of the boards above ten tefachim. Hayushtein b'diyota achas. If both of the balconies are on the same side of the street, so you have one apartment building on Fifth Avenue, and it has you know, two neighbors' apartments, you know, two A and two B, and they have a joint balconies near each other, and the ba- between the two balconies is air space, beneath them is Fifth Avenue proper. Umoshet and one passes something over, like let's say a broomstick from 2A's balcony to 2B's balcony. So that's where each each balcony is Rishasi Yachid because it's going to be, you know, at least four almost on a side, ten to off the ground. So each each of the balconies is Rishasi Yachid and one hands over the broomstick from 2A's balcony to 2B's balcony, then Chayev, they'll be liable because that is good old-fashioned Moshit as they had it in the time of the Mishkan. In the Midbar, they would transfer by hand the long Krushim from one Agala to the next, on the same side of the Rosh the same way these two people are passing over the broomstick, on the same side of the Rosh on Fifth Avenue, from one balcony to the next balcony. The Hazorik Pator. But even those two guys, the two guys living on 2A and 2B, if they would throw the broomstick across from one to the next, so they would still be Pator because um, they would never throw they would never throw the Krushim, and therefore you haven't got a, like a total Moshit, if you will, and we said that throwing above Rishasarab, above Tentfachim, even though it's passed through the airspace, even if Akiva would agree that you're not liable for that because you're not in Rishasarab. Fine. Why is this the case? As I sort of already said in my 
introductory remarks, because this, the following, is how the Levium would do their voda in terms of transferring these krushim. There were there would be two um, wagons, one in front of the other, one behind the other, in the Rishasarabim. And you would hand they would hand over, the Levim would hand over these boards from atop of the first Agala to the second of Lozorkin, but they would never throw those Krushim. Therefore, if one is Moshe, then hands over from Agala to Agala on the same, same side of the Rishasarabim. So then you'd be liable, but if you would throw it or across the Rishasarabim, then you'd be Pater. Period. Okay, new paragraph, like a new topic here in the Mishnah. New case. So, the main case we're talking about here is that you're someone dug a, let's say, a, a, a well in the middle of the Rishos We're talking about a bore. Just to be technical and correct here, in antiquity, they had three ways of, of um, having a water supply. They had a be'er, base alafresh, that's really a well. A bore, base vavresh, which is like a pit or hole, was a cistern. And the difference is that a be'er, you would sort of dig into the ground and find water in the water table beneath the ground, whereas a bore, you're not tapping into any um, water beneath the ground. You're simply making like a big storage hole. Um, they would plaster it so it sort of holds water. And then when it rains, the rainwater would rain in and like it would be caught inside the bore for safekeeping the cistern for later. Third possibility, of course, is an aqueduct to transfer water um, from one place to another place. In any case, um, here you've got a bore being dug, which is a pit in the middle of the Shusarabim. Um, but for whatever reason, they're doing that. You can imagine, however, just for your imagination, probably how you imagine a well. Okay, so they're digging a hole in the ground, um, let's say for water purposes. So when you dig a hole in the ground, what happens is you got to put the sand that you dug out the hole in the ground somewhere. And the normal thing to do would be to put it around the hole to make like a wall. So like so no one falls in, you can maybe store the bucket up there or something like that. So the point is, and we're going to focus on someone digging a big hole in the Rosh and then piling the sand that came out of the hole around the hole. So now the question will be the measurements that would constitute this new hole slash the rim of earth around it that, that you built up, um, the measurements to make that be Rosh in the Rosh So the Mishnah says, Chulia Tabor, the sand that you pile around the hole, Vasela, and the same would be true if you have a big rock in the Rosh Hashanah. But let's get back to the rock later on. If the rim of sand around the hole is ten high and four deep, so then if you take from the embankment, the sand rim, or you put onto it from or to the Rosh Hashanah, then it'll be chayev. If it's less than the requisite, 10 high and 4 wide, you'll be potter. Okay, so the way the Bartonor has the picture and the, explains the Chiddush's Mishnah about the, the rim of the, around the, the, the hole is that, let's say your hole is only 7 tfachim deep. Okay? So a 7 tfachim deep hole doesn't make Rishus Hayachid. It has to be 10 tfachim deep. But if you then pile up the earth around the hole, and let's say the pile that you make makes a rim that's three tfachim high. So now, from the top of the ridge, the rim, which is three off the ground, to the bottom of the hole in the well, or the pit, which is seven tfachim below the ground, you have a total of ten. So Bartholomew understands that you can add those two together and say, since the ridge 
if you measure from the bottom of the hole to the top of the ridge is ten tefachim high, that will reach the threshold ten tefachim we need to make this to be roshasiyachin. And then again, assuming that the the whole um, ridge is four tefachim across, so then you've got now something that's just four tefach wide and ten tefachim deep, offset which is by ten tefachim because you're you're including the depth of the well. So that can make the ridge, the rim around the hole, be Rosh Yachid, that if one would take from the Shusarab onto that ridge or vice versa, um, then they would be liable. Now, that's a big Kiddush, of course, because if you think about it um, from the outside of the well, all you're seeing is a small ridge above the ground. You're not seeing something that's really offset by 10 Tefachim. It's like in the numbers I gave, you have Rosh Hashanah, then you have a three Tefach high ridge emerging in the middle of Rishas Rabbim. Normally that would not be a separate domain, but because of the hole on the inside of it that goes down another seven for a total of ten, it becomes, the whole thing becomes a separate Rishas HaYachid all to itself. And that's a very big Chiddush. That's the Bartner learns. Um, it's surprising. Tosos doesn't like it at all. Tosos finds it hard to imagine that would be the case because it doesn't, doesn't seem right. It's not really ten to Fachim high. Why would it be from the outside and therefore, Toso says the point here is that your ridge is ten, indeed ten tefachim off the ground from the outside. Okay, um, but the point is that it's to get four tefachim across. It's from one edge of the rim on the one side of the hole to the other edge of the rim on the other side of the hole. Um, so normally the rule is you need to have a four by four tefach surface in order to see Here you've got that four by four, but there's a hole in the middle of the four by four. So Toso assumes the chiddush is that even though there's a hole in the middle, it's still considered four by four because normal to put like a like a plank, a board across the hole, so you can sort of like attach the the bucket or something. So the point is, if you have the plank across there, that would be anyways enough. And therefore, putting something on the ridge that's a tenth off the ground, um, since it's including the far side of the ridge, four tefachim wide is sufficient. The Bartonora would ostensibly say that's not necessary, and the whole chiddush of the mission is not about the width and the four tefachim to be fucking the hole in the middle, but rather it's about the depth. And if you'll ask, well, how in the world could a ridge, which from ground level is only three tefachim off the ground, be a separate rishus or just hayachin? Have to include the hole below? So presumably he would answer um, that the public certainly would go around, even though it's three or even say two tefachim off the ground, um, the ridge around the well. Still, the public would circumvent that hole. Why? Because although the top of the ridge is just two tefachim above the ground. Uh, that next step's a doozy. If you'd walk straight over, traverse straight over the, the bore, you'd go tumbling in full ten tefachim from the top of the ridge to the bottom of the hole. And that being the case, the public would walk around it and therefore it has a din of being a domain all to itself. So we'll go with the Bartanura as our hero and say simply, even the Chiddush the Mishnah is that if even if the ridge around the pit is just two or three tefachim high, you can add the depth of the well to reach a total of ten to make that ridge be Rosh Hashanah to itself, enough to make a person chayev if he put something from the Rishos onto that ridge, or took from the ridge and put something into the Rishos As for the Sela, which we skipped, that was just a big, like a rock in the middle of the Rishos Again, so if the, if the rock is 10 Tefachim high, and 4 Tefachim wide, it has a status of domain all to itself, even though it's in the middle of the Rishos Um Since people circumvent the rock, it has its own domain. And if you pick something off the ground in the Rishos and put it on top of that rock, that rock has its own status, and would be Rishos Yachid, and therefore you'd be doing a proper Hachnasa, bring from Rabbim to Yachid, and be liable Chattas, and Vice versa, if you take from the top of the rock and put it into the Rishos Rabbim, again, you'd be liable from taking from a Rishos Yachid and being Motzi into the Rishos Rabbim.